Well, he knows how. You don't believe that today. I got some news, good news for you. Jesus can keep you happy. He knows how. We think we need so many things on this earth to keep us happy. But in my, I guess in my experiences, I am finding and learning that I really just need Jesus. That's what I really need. I woke up this morning. Um, well, I don't know if I woke up with a verse. I'll get to what I woke up with on in a minute. But I had a verse I read this morning. I was sharing some scripture with a brother. And the verse is exactly how I feel today. It's from Psalm. It's, um, it's not my verse, obviously. It's David's verse. It says, The Lord God liveth, and blessed be my rock. And let, let us... Let us exalt the God of our salvation. That's what I want to do. I don't know about y'all, but I am thankful for the rock of salvation that is Jesus Christ that I am standing on today. Aren't you thankful for the rock? How lost we would be. How the floodwaters, Brother Cliff, would overflow us and sweep us away if we didn't have our place on the rock. Well, as we read today in Sunday school, I certainly would rather have a shack on the rock than a castle in the sand any day. I don't know about y'all, but God is just really all we need if we really stop and think about it, if we boil it down. Well, I ask for your prayers. I'm thankful to be here. It's good to be with y'all. It's good to be in the house of God. It's good to be converted and sanctified. I thought a lot about my topic today, but um, I was thinking this morning... Well, I'm a little bit different than you, Brother George. You told me yesterday that Brother George says that um, he has trouble unwinding and going to sleep at night. Well, mine's been quite the opposite this week. I usually have no trouble going to sleep. You can ask Christy. <laughs> but I've been waking up wrestling every morning, and it's a blessing. Um, it's a blessing when God wrestles with you. Um, I don't know why he picks me. I don't know why. I still don't understand why he would ever pick me for anything. I know I'm nothing. I know I'm worthless. <clears throat> but he wrestles with me. And, um, you know, I was thinking about the verse that says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood. <clears throat> and um, I was probably never really a great wrestler uh, as far as technique goes. I probably just used my weight to. Um, to and to maybe make an impact in my wrestling. I was never a great wrestler. But what I have learned with wrestling with God is to say, Lord, I yield. I yield, Lord. Just tell me what you want me to do. Show me what you want me to do. I yield myself to you. This is what it takes, folks. A yielding. We have got to yield to God if we want to get anywhere with Him. Now, why do we want to yield to God? Why do you and I, why would we really want to yield to Him? Is it because we just want it for our benefit? We just want to say, I don't want to endure the punishment of hell in eternity, so I will yield to God here. Or do we just do it because we say, I want to be blessed by God. I want as many false doctrines go out about, I just want to have all the goodness of the earth. I want to be rich and endued with much goods, and just have happiness, peace, because, 
I will just yield to God for that. That is missing the point. The point is our God is holy. Our God is good. He is worthy of our praise. What, what do we have to offer Him? Our righteousness, as it says in Scripture, is His filthy rags. Nothing more than trash. What would you do with a filthy rag? If you can't wash it, you can't make it clean, you throw it away. It's no good for anything anymore. That's what our righteousness is. Can I do any works that are any good? Can I do anything to buy salvation? No, folks. We were bought with a price. Jesus Christ came down from heaven. He was there in the beginning when we read that Scripture this morning. Jesus was there. He was there. God said, let us make man in our own image. God talking and counseling who? With man? No. With Himself. With His Son and with His Spirit. Three in one. And God says, I'm going to redeem man. Now, <clears throat> what does that mean? Let me give you an example if I can think of it. It would be like if you could look into next week and on Tuesday... A man was going to come to your house and blaspheme your name, maybe write bad things all over your house, ransack and rob your house, and then kill your family. And you know what you do today? Not only do you say, I forgive him, but you say, I pay his penalty. This is what God did for us. Do you see it in the scripture? Can you see what God has done for you through His Son? He has bought you with a price. It's a cost we can't put a number on. It's, it's, uh, it's just unfathomable to me that God would love man so much. Us who sinned against Him. Us who rebelled against Him. Us who broke His commandments. Us who said, crucify Him, crucify Him. And Jesus says, Lord, I bear their sins on this cross and I die for them. He give it all up for us. Why? Because we deserved it? No, because God is merciful. He has everlasting mercy. He has love and kindness and He wants to gift it to you, but we still want to turn away and reject it, don't we? God help us. God help me. Lord, help me every day. Count the cost. Of what, not only what I got to give up, but what Christ gave up for me. Are the things you're living for worth Christ dying for? Have you ever thought about that? It sure has been weighted heavy on my heart lately. Is what I'm living for worth Christ dying for? Is it worth it? Christ paid the price for you and for me to redeem us to God. What is that worth? Can you put a price on it? Can you put a value on it? Well, I sure can. And I'm going to do everything in my, everything in my God-given ability to do everything that I can for this wonderful gospel that God has so freely saved me from, through from sin. He has saved me through this wonderful gospel, the good news of the gospel. And I want to encourage you today, if you're in it, stay in it. I tell you, the way gets narrower and narrower the older we live. I heard our old folks say it. I didn't understand it as a kid, but man, do I see it now. Boy, do I see it now. Do you see the refining fire that God has for you? If you haven't seen things be refined in you, maybe it's time to do a little checkup. Can you look into the perfect law of liberty? Yeah. 
And take a look in the mirror with your soul and see where you line up. See where you stand with God. Has God been working and dealing, working on you, working on your building, beautifying your building? What has He been doing with you lately? I just hope you would examine yourselves. I don't say it because I'm trying to say I'm better than you. I think y'all know me better than that. I don't feel that way at all. We were all sinners. I mean, I committed sins. I went against God. I did these things. Who, who's really responsible for it? Me. I did it. That was the nature I inherited, each one, every one of us. And we got to do something about it. Well, the way does get narrower, doesn't it? <clears throat> Let me read you a little scripture. I've talked too long. I've been told to try to read scripture sooner. But I don't always listen to instructions. <laughs> Y'all bear with me. This is from the fifth chapter of Ephesians, a couple of verses. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly. That's carefully. Be careful. Be sober. Be vigilant. Why? We know why. You have your adversary, the devil. He's going about seeking whom he devour. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Does that make sense? I, I, I kind of read that and I'm like, what in the world does redeeming the time mean? Well, I know what redeem means. It means to be bought back. You've um, you ever seen, well, I know all y'all probably have, but some of you young people may not have, used to have like Coke and stuff would come in a glass bottle, and you once you got done with the Coke, you could redeem it for 10 cents, a nickel, whatever it was. You could take it back, and they, they give you some money back. they buy them back the bottle. Wash it, reuse it, I guess, is what they did. Well, this is what Christ did for us. But he's telling us here, Paul is, redeeming the time. Buying back the time. My, oh my, could you, when some of you with a little more years and maybe gray hair, and when you look back, how would you like to buy back some time? Well, I sure would. <laughs> I think back to the times when my son was here, I'd like to buy back some of those years. I think back to my parents when they were here, I'd like to buy back some of those years. Spend more time with them, talk with them more. Find out more about the truth of the gospel. From, I, my mind goes crazy because I start thinking of so many saints going on before us. I look at y'all and I think of Brother Otho. Boy, how I'd love to be with him for a few days and talk to him. These were, these were great things, but I'm talking about, I can't do nothing about that. That's gone. That's past. You can't do nothing about it. We don't have a time machine. Can you imagine if you had... Can you imagine if you woke up in the morning and all of a sudden a million dollars overnight popped into your bank account and somebody had gifted you with where the stock markets and what stocks were going to be where about four days from now? Do you think you would redeem the time? Do you think you would take that and try to invest it so that you could make something out of it? Well, yeah. You'd redeem the time. You'd do something about it. You'd take notice of what the time was. Listen, our thinking is wrong. Our thinking is wrong. We should be looking at the length of eternity instead of the length of our earthly days 
and applying our lives towards that measure and not the measure of maybe I'll get 80 years here. Maybe. But eternity, it's endless. And yet we live our lives so haphazardly. I'm talking too to the church. Because this is a burden on my heart with the church. I'm sorry. If it hurts your feelings, I'll just say I'm sorry. But I believe it's scriptural. The Apostle Paul is telling us to redeem the time. He tells us in Ephesians, and guess what? He told the Colossians the same thing. Now, you said, tell me something once, I may take notice. But you start telling me twice, well, I'm going to perk up and listen a lot more. Just as in the Gospels when stories are repeated that Jesus talked about in parables. We need to pay attention to them. We need to be redeeming our time. What are you doing with your time? It really is the only thing you have. Everything you have else. How did we enter the world? Guess how you're going to leave it. This, this is the reality. I mean, you'd have to be completely oblivious to what's going on around you not to be aware of it. And so how are you spending your time? This is so important. It is so important. What are you chasing after? What are you going after as hard as you can? Some of us are saving and investing on the earth, acting like we're going to be here for 300 years. Do you realize that? Now, guess what? One day, not long ago, that was where I was. And that was my mindset. Well, I need to do this because this is how I've been taught. And this is what I've been shown. And the world around me says this is the right thing to do. It is contrary to the Word of God. Do you th- what do you think Jesus was talking about when He said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth? It just seems basic and simple to me. He's saying, don't invest here. This is not your home. This will not, the return will be, it'll be like that million dollars that you would invest it if you knew the future. Well, maybe you would double or triple or whatever. But guess what? I don't want it. Because you know why? It's just going to make me slothful. It's going to make me comfortable where I'm at. It's not going to make me hungry for this. It's going to keep me off my knees because I'm going to have to take care of it. And I'm going to have to do something about it. And I'm going to have to look after it. And I'm going to have to treasure it. Well, brothers and sisters, my treasure is in heaven. That is where my treasure is. Take whatever you want from me, God, has been my prayer. Take it away if you need to. Prune me. Refine me. Make me the man you want me to be. This is my desire. This is how we should live. Living for God and for Him with our eye focused on heaven. We need singular vision. You can't be staring at heaven and wanting that while you're staring with your other eye and looking at your treasures here on earth. One is going to take away from the other. No man, as Jesus said, can serve two masters. So I'm not telling you to try to live this crazy, impossible, strict lifestyle so that you, God can see all your good works. Look, this is not what it's about. I'm not doing it for a show. None of us are that are doing it, that are living for God. That is why. Why? Because He is holy. Because He is just. 
Because He is righteous. And because He has made us in His image. And He wants us to walk like Him. Why else are we called Christians? How are we going to be Christ-like if we don't live and act like Him? If we've got the Spirit of Christ, we should be imitating the Gospel. We, our lives should be a mirror of the Gospel. Men should be rejecting us, kicking out of us the places for our speech about Christ. But I don't see it happening to me. Maybe y'all had it happen to you. I'd love to hear about it. So I got some work to do. Listen, this is like Brother Curtis when you preached the other night and he said this is confession. I feel a little bit of the same way. I'm confessing to you too. I got some work to do. God is ever working. The way is getting ever narrower as I get nearer home. Lord, don't let me stray now. I don't want to miss it now. Is it, what is it worth? What are the things that you're living for worth Christ dying for? Redeem your time. Buy back your time. If you don't know where to start, I can give you a plan. How about that? Everybody loves a plan, don't you? When somebody says, you need to be doing this, everybody says, okay, well, where do I start? What are the steps? Give me all the steps. I'll just follow them. Well, it didn't work for the Jews. don't work for us humans, I find, very well either. Well, I can tell you where to start. How about that? Get on your knees. Get on your knees. Back to God like it's your last day. What if it was your last day? What if today was your last day? What are you doing with it? Are you looking forward to getting out of here as quick as you can so you can go watch a football game? Or go do whatever other hobby or interest you have? You know what? If this was day, day was my last day, you know what we'd be doing? We would try to get this out into this community and anywhere we could go as quick as we could before God called us home. Trying to redeem the time. Wouldn't we? Well, what is our life? It is but a vapor. In the 90th chapter of Psalms, you can go and read about exactly what our life is like. It's like the spring grass in the morning. Springs up, and guess what happens in the evening? It gets cut down, and it withers away. And God said, a day with me is as a thousand years, and a thousand years with him is as one day. I don't think that's exactly literal. I think that means God is timeless. And he looks at us as like just a grasshopper on this earth. And yet he loved us so much he died for us. And he loves us so much, Brother Cliff, that he keeps us safe in the boat when we're going through difficult times. We serve a good God, a good holy God. Is he worth it? Is he worth it? Well, let me get on to my scripture. <clears throat> um, uh, I will tell you, <clears throat> I won't say who. I have a real benefit of living at the campground. It goes beyond utility, uh, not utility, but it goes beyond, you know, the normal expenses of life being cheap. Um, <laughs> it goes way beyond that. I live around some folks who have a lot of experience with life. If you look at the bookends of a man or a woman's life, well, they're on the far end of the end of the bookend. Most of them. Not all of them. I hope I'm not one of them. But God knows. <laughs> and so from them I gained a lot of experience. I had a man one time who's 30 years my elder tell me about some regrets he had in his life. I'm sorry. 
This is a man I looked up to. I still do. Good man. Good sanctified man. And I said, if you were my age, what would you do different? He said, I would have spent less time in business and more time in the gospel. This is where my heart breaks with the church. Because to be quite honest, and I look at myself, I spend a lot of time on my business. And I'd be spending a lot of time in the Gospels where I need to be. And I don't say that to condemn nobody. I say it to, to look at your own soul. Look at your own life. Are the things you're doing worth Christ dying for? I had a, we had a brother at church the other night who got up. And he made a statement that's haunted me. And this is what I've been wrestling with. He said, I see a lot of people going out to that graveyard. He wasn't talking about when we walk out there to bury somebody. He was talking about people being buried. He said 15, 20 a year on average. And I told him after church, I said, I see a lot of young people going out the front doors. And I don't see him coming back. I believe they can come back. But I hadn't seen him come back. And he said, and I see a, not so many coming in and getting sanctified. And he said, if that was our money, we'd be doing something about it. And it cut me to the heart. Because I said, yeah, I sure would. I sure would. So am I redeeming my time? Am I doing everything I can today to try to go and reach out to somebody, to those lost children? I can't do anything about the people that have gone into the cemetery. That's over. I can't do anything about that. But them kids that walked out or them adults that have walked out that front door, I can go after them. I know them for the most part. Lord, help me redeem the time. If that was our money, we would be smart about it. I'm talking about us as a church. We're very prudent with our money. We'd be smart about it. We'd be budging it. Have you budgeted your time? Have you looked at a P&L of your time and seen how you're spending it? Where's the bottom line? How are you spending it? If I was budgeting my time and I saw that the gospel was going to need 80% of my time, I would, you know, and if that was money and I didn't have enough to cover the other stuff, well, guess what I'd have to do with the other stuff if that was, say, my house? You know what I'd have to do with the other stuff? I'd have to make cuts. I'd have to figure out what I got to get rid of. What's got to go away? Well, what is more important? Yes, sir. What is most important to you today? Is he worth it? Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. He's worth it. He's worth it. Did he prove it? Yes, sir. Yes, he proved it. Right there at Calvary, hanging on that cross. You know where else he proved it? When he rose up from the grave, showing you that you and I, if we would be like Christ, 
If we would be Christian, what would we do? Hang me on that cross. I crucify myself. Why? So that I can be buried and dead to my sins. And when Christ raises you up, you are a new creature. And you experience a resurrected life. This is what Jesus does for a man or a woman who is sincere and earnest and really wants to please God. This is what He has done for us. And we take it and act like sometimes it's our right. It's our right as members of the church. But no, it's not. Christ died for us when we didn't deserve it. I still don't deserve it as a redeemed child of His. Still don't deserve it. But oh, He gifts it to me every day. Not only did He gift it to me one day as a young man, but He renews that Spirit in me day by day. And this is the promise, folks. It's not just to me or a select few. It's a promise to the whole world. And I want to do everything in my power and ability to get it out to the world as much as I can. If we all did this, guess what would happen in the church? I'm going to tell you what would happen. I believe a revival like we've never seen. I've seen hints of revival. I've read about revival. Holiness movement, revivals of long ago. Well, I say we're it's it's time. It's time. Let's get serious about it. Sister Janet uh, Keldall read last Sunday for us, and she read the twentieth part of the twentieth chapter of Matthew. And I didn't speak about it. I didn't get a chance because everybody. It's nice when you go to church and you can't even get a chance to talk because everybody's so excited to share their testimony. That's a good thing. That's a good thing to see. <clears throat> so what I'm saying is if y'all are ever at the campground, please come out and join us. You'll be blessed, I believe. Y'all come join us. But she preached about <clears throat> how the kingdom of heaven was like a householder or a man who owns a vineyard and he needed laborers. And she talked about how she asked a question, is God fair? And she said, then she asked, I think, the question, do you want God to be fair? Well, no. You know what I want? I want my God to be just, first of all. But then I want mercy. If he was fair, you know what I would get? There'd be no hope for me. There would have been no hope for redemption. There wouldn't have been a second chance. It would have been like, you're done. Now, God is just. He's merciful and just. And this is why we talk about the goodness and the severity of God. But she was talking about this vineyard and talking about this man and how the pay was the same. The hours were from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. He hired men at 6 a.m. I guess at 9 p.m. he realized, I mean 9 a.m. he needed more help. Went and got it. Noon rolled around, needed more help. Went and got it. 3 o'clock, got more help. Five o'clock, one hour left. Most of us be saying, nah, just roll up the tools. You know what I mean? You know what this man had that I had never seen before? Urgency. Urgency to get it done. Urgency to work in the field. 
urgency about the harvest. What do you tell us, Brother Curtis? Don't say there's four months to harvest. Behold, the fields are white right now, folks. I can't wait any longer. I can't stand idle any longer. I can't not do anything any longer. This world is dying, going to hell. And you see it. Do you not see it when you look around you in your society? When you see the different things and what they're doing? And they're going for it so hard. And not everybody is going to turn. Listen, few will be many, many called, few chosen. There's going to be very few. It tells me i got to get used to rejection. That's hard. It's hard for me. I don't like rejection. I don't know anybody really likes rejection. But guess what? It's Christ-like. Did Christ suffer it? Oh, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And look at me. I think I should just have this wonderful, lavish life. Coasting on my... On the coattails of my church, sailing into heaven on these smooth seas. Well, brothers and sisters, I see different things in the Scripture. Let me read something. Um, 19th chapter of Matthew. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. (laughs) This was the Son of God making this statement. Well, this, let me tell you, he he got it. Did he not get it? Oh, he got it. There, how dare any of us ever say anything about how good we are, or our good deeds. He was really trying to prove, I think, a point to this man. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And the man said unto him, Which? And Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, And he's saying it to us too today, brothers and sisters. If thou wilt be perfect. Now, this is a word that gets tossed around and is misused. I'm not talking about human perfection. Look, have you never pulled out in front of somebody in a car? I've run into the back of people several times. Have you never made a mathematical error? Have you never made a bad decision? I mean, yeah. I could name a lot of other stuff. We're not going to be perfect in that manner. Now, what he's talking about here, I believe, if thou will be holy. In here. Perfect in your heart. What is that going to take? Can I do enough works to get it? Can I, do, can I not commit enough murders? Can I not commit adultery enough? Can I not steal? Can I not bear any false witness? Could I honor my father and my mother enough? Could I love my neighbor as myself enough? Could I do anything as a 1 Corinthians 13 chapter enough? No. Not of me, not of you. We shouldn't call ourselves good about anything. 
There's one but good. There's one but holy. And if we're going to be clothed in the righteousness and the holiness of God, it is only going to come from one place. And it's only going to come one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me but by the Father. And then what else did He say? If any man will come after me, what does he got to do? Deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now the problem lies in when we do this, some of us, after we take up the cross, we want to go back to the opposite of denying ourselves. And now it's not going to work. When you see a man walking out of a city bearing the cross, guess what? You know that man ain't coming back. That man is dying. And I tell you what, when I got on the cross, when I got on the cross that Christ said, get on, I am dead. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live right here, today, in the flesh, I live for the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Is He worth it? Is He worthy of our life? Is He worth dying for? Yes. Yes, He is worth it. Yes, why? Because of His great love wherewith He loved us. He did it for us before we ever even were thought of. Well, after he told the young man this, I didn't read it. If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell all, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. Why? Because he had great possessions. No man can serve two masters. So am I not to have any possessions? I can't answer that for you. <laughs> That's between you and God. <laughs> I'm working that out on my own. And I encourage you to do the same. I don't know what God has called for you. God has a different call for each and every one of us. Because God knows exactly what we need to give up to get out of the way. So He can use us. And until we're at that point, we're willing to do that. We're unusable. We will be stale, stagnant. And we'll see the same results we've been getting for the last how many hundred years? Is that what you want? No, well, it's not what I want for the church. It's not what I want mainly for my God. He deserves more. More of me. More of my time. More of whatever else I can give Him. You really can't give Him anything. Because He owns it all. Without Lord. And this is what the attitude has to be. I give up everything for you. Everything, God. Take whatever you must. <clears throat> Listen to what Jesus said after this. Then he said to his disciples. So they're all witnessing this. Here comes this man. He, can't, he counts the cost. It's not worth it. Well, what do you think that man's thinking today? I don't know that he turned his life around. Doesn't tell us. Says he went away sorrowful. You think he was sorry that day? If you could take a peek into where he's at right now. Boy, it would, it would strike fear into this entire planet. Then said Jesus to his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel 
to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. And that verse used to really bother me as a kid. I didn't understand it because men I looked up to, I knew had, they had stuff, they had money. And I'm like, I don't understand this. It's about you. It's about your attitude towards God. What do you really love? What is most valuable? What are you willing to give up for Him? Because what did He give up for you? Well, for some of us, it may mean giving up everything we have. For others, it may not. I don't imagine it would be easy to put a camel through the eye of a needle. Sister Yule, you could probably tell me she does embroidery. I saw Christy trying to do it. She could hardly thread the needle with some string. How about a camel? What God is saying, what Jesus is saying here is, it's impossible. It's impossible to serve God and mammon. It's impossible to serve God and anything else. Whatever else it is, you fill in the blank. Brothers, our eyes... Our brothers and sisters, our eye has got to be single if we're going to make a difference and if we're going to be the people God wants us to be. Do you think if we're going to be bad parents, he's going to give us babies to be born and to raise? I say this in a mirror because that's how I ask myself. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed. I wonder if they were going, man, this ministry is going to go nowhere. How in the world are we ever going to reach anybody if they got to go to this extreme? Well, Jesus knew what they were thinking. He beheld them and he said unto them, With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. With man, you can't do it. Even if you said, I'll bestow all my goods to the poor, I give my body to be burned, and you do it out of order, out of sequence. If you don't do it without the Spirit of God, it buys you nothing but poverty. That's all it's bought you. And then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all. And they did. Scripture tells us, And followed thee. And what shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, That ye which have followed me in the regeneration... When the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory, ye shall also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Quite a promise. I believe they deserved it because of what they gave up and what Christ did for them. But listen to us and everyone. Listen. And everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, and go on and name it, folks. Or your money, or your time, or your talents, or your business, your reputation. What else? Preaching's a group activity, come on. What else? You fill in the blank. I don't know what it is for you. You and God know. Fill it in. And Jesus is promising you, anyone who have forsaken these things, 
for my name's sake, Brother Cliff, shall receive a hundredfold. A hundredfold. Do you think God can't supply all your needs? Give up something and see what He can do. Just test Him and see what He can do. Try it out and see what happens. And shall inherit, listen, here's the best part. Here it comes, everlasting life. We deserve death. I deserve death for the sin that I committed against God. For the nature that was inherited inside of me. I was worthy of death. And Jesus paid the price. And He has granted me eternal life. And what am I saying here? I guess He's worth it. Yeah, probably worth it. I don't know if He's worth going down to my neighbor and really trying to convince them. Is this your attitude? Or maybe you say, well, he's worth it. I don't know if he's worth going to Jemison on a random weekend. <sighs> I mean, I got to work Monday. Is he worth it? Listen, folks, I don't say this to make you feel guilty or make you feel condemned. If that happens, I tell you, that's the Spirit of God talking to you. I don't say this because I think I'm better than anybody else. I realize where I'm at. I am nothing. Without Christ, I am nothing. I have nothing to boast of. I have nothing to brag about. I know I'm nothing to listen to. I know I'm nothing to look at. I'm aware of that. I have no talent. I have the Spirit of God. And I say, what else do I need? My God can supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. Is it enough there? Do you think there's enough in the bank of God's riches? If you want to look at it in these worldly terms. Oh my goodness, brothers and sisters. Why do we get so dependent on ourselves and our own abilities? Lord, help me. I want to cast off the banks of this shore and dive fully into my God. Because I know He will buoy me. He will keep me lifted up. I know He can do it. I have the faith that He can do it. I'm working towards whatever I can. God, direct me today. And I pray that you would get on your knees and ask God if you need it for mercy. I pray if you need regeneration in your life or recommitment, get on your knees and seek it. If you say, God, I'm not sure that I measure up to all the things that I see and read in this Word or I've heard over the pulpit, then get on your knees and do something about it. Redeem the time. The cut is coming. And you'll be withered. And life will be over. I see it. I see it when I come here and I see your, your face. And I remember when I was a child and I could see Brother Don's face and his hair. It was different. He was a younger man. I see it when I get up in the morning and I look in the mirror. It's different. It's getting older. It's withering away. We will not be here forever. Let's stop living like it. And let's start living our days for eternity. And let's invest in the gospel. I guarantee you, brothers and sisters, it would be the best thing you ever did do. And when you're up there rejoicing around the throne, you'll say, praise God, I gave up X, Y, or Z for this. Woo, was it worth it. What a testimony you'll have for the kingdom. I love you, brothers and sisters. I pray for you. 
Stay on the firing line. Don't give up. God's got good things in store for those that love him. Y'all pray for me.